We are on Yevomos Kuftez Zayin Omen Aleph 116a towards the bottom. And the Gemara now returned back to the Mishnah about uh, the case where the wife uh, comes to court and says that her husband passed away. And when we believe her, when we do not believe her, in general we do believe her, as we've discussed in the past, because it's something which is obvious, it's going to come out, the truth will come out, and so therefore it's very difficult for her to lie about this. The husband could show up at any point in time. Or about the fact that uh, we have all these severe repercussions of what happens if she ends up lying, um, and therefore she will definitely look into the matter, and so therefore we trust her based on that. However, there were certain cases where we do not believe her, including during times of war, where she's also running for her life, and so therefore we are concerned that she didn't see everything, and she's drawing, perhaps even subconsciously, she's drawing certain conclusions which might not be accurate. And the other case that the Mishnah described, which is the case that we'll discuss now, is the case of um, when they are fighting within the marriage, when they don't like each other. They're married and they don't like each other, so then there's concern that uh, that she will not be telling the truth about the fact that he died. So the Gemara wants to know, what does it mean that they're fighting? What does fighting mean? Uh, that, that What's the threshold for fighting? What exactly are we referring to? So... What exactly are we referring to when it comes to, to fighting between the two? So the Gemara says, um, It's when she tells her husband, if she has already told her husband, we know that she already told her husband, I want to get divorced. She says, I want to get divorced. The Gemara says, uh, The Gemara says, everybody says this, meaning, not that everybody says this necessarily, but everybody, it's... it's ca- Excuse me. It's common that during times where they're angry, people say things that they don't really mean. And just because a wife tells her husband that they want to get divorced doesn't really mean that she wants to get divorced. It doesn't mean that she's interested in ending the marriage and making a claim that he passed away when he didn't really pass away. Uh, just in her in her moment of anger, she said that I want to get divorced. So Ella Bomerthabalagirishtani. So it's not that Stigmar says fine. That's not the threshold. The threshold is where she confronts her husband. And in public, it doesn't have to be in public, but confronts her husband. We didn't have to know about this. She tells her husband, we already got divorced. We are done. It's not that I want something in the future. We got divorced. A person, uh, one spouse tells the other that they've already got divorced. Uh, so then so then they're done. Then the marriage is, is essentially uh, reached the point where they view it as no longer a marriage, that they're not married anymore. And so therefore, says the Gemara, if she then comes to court and says that my husband died, she's not believed for that. But the Gemara says, wait on, hold on a second. Uh, if a wife tells her husband that we already got divorced, we actually, according to Rav Nuna, we actually believe her that they already got divorced. We don't need any more testimony that her husband died. What do you mean? The, the marriage has ended. We believe her. Why do we believe her? Because the Gemara says, We should believe her based on Rav Nuna. The Amr Rav Nuna, Isha Sha'amra Labayla Gerashtani, Nemenes, a woman who tells her husband that we already got divorced. She says in front of her husband, we already got divorced. She's believed. Why? Because there's a chazaka. There is uh, essentially an established, it has already been established rule that a wife would not have the chutzpah, essentially, to tell her husband that we already got divorced. A person wouldn't do such a thing to say that we already got divorced if they never actually got divorced. They wouldn't have that chutzpah, uh, that brazenness to just go ahead and say that they got divorced in front of her husband 
uh, that, that we already got divorced, if it's not actually true, and so therefore we believe her. Interestingly enough, as a side point, uh, the Ramah says that today, the Ashkenazi uh, Posek, the Ramah, says that today, this from from hundreds of years ago, he says that today this no longer applies because uh, because it, we live in a world now where um, people say things and uh, they'll say things uh, and they'll have that they'll have this chutzpah and they'll say all these things um, and so therefore they are they are uh, they're not believed in this case because people are willing to say things that that are not true and uh, just to get out of things and they'll they'll be willing to say things in, even in front of their own spouse they'll be willing to say these things but in the days of the Gemara the situation was different and so therefore she would actually be believed so what does it mean that the case here what's the threshold the Gemara's question is what's the threshold in which we say that uh, this is uh, there are so much fighting in this marriage we don't believe her to say that her husband passed away so the Gemara wanted to suggest that it's at the point in time where she, she goes and confronts her husband and she says, we've already been divorced. And then later on she comes to court and says that my husband died. It's unnecessary. According to Rav Nuna, this is unnecessary. There's no reason to go to court. You're already divorced. We believe you. We believe you that you're divorced. What are you coming to court for and telling us about your husband dying? You know, you're already divorced. What's the problem? So the Gemara says, fine, this is the case. It has to be a different case. The cases where she said, she said that she already got divorced in front of the following witnesses. She says, these were the witnesses. And then we approached the witnesses and they said, it never happened. She was found to be a liar. So in general, we will trust her if she says it in front of her husband. But this is a case where she actually says, these were the witnesses and she's found to be a liar. So clearly they weren't divorced, right? Because she was found to be a liar. If, if we've reached that point... So then that's called a, a, a very serious uh, fight, a very serious um, break within the marriage. And so therefore she's no longer believed uh, to say that to say that her husband passed away. So the Gemara wants to know, my time to get taught that. In the end of the day, what is the reason to say that we don't believe her, that her husband passed away? Ultimately, what's the reason that we say that we don't believe her? That's the case. That's the threshold. But what's the reason? So Rav Hanina Amar Mishim De Mishakra, Rav Simi Barashi Amar Mishim De Amra, so Rav Hanina says because she is going to lie. Because it's reached the point where they have so much uh, anger towards each other and upsetness and right towards each other. So therefore we are concerned that she's going to lie about the fact that her husband died. Perhaps, and many do say this, they say that it's not just that we're concerned that she's going to lie because it's reached the point in the marriage where the marriage is just has totally fallen apart. But it's more than that. It's that she's found to be a liar. It's only in cases where she's actually found to be a liar that we know that she's been lying about this situation in the past because the threshold is where um, is where uh, she's found to be a liar about this. She said that there were witnesses to the to the divorce and that it's actually not true. We asked the witnesses and we found it to be not true. So perhaps it's only in cases where she's found to be a liar. Rufsimi Barashi says that no, that's not, it's not about her being her lying necessarily, but subconsciously, let's say, There'll be a situation where she thinks her husband died, and she wants her husband to die, and so therefore it's not that she's outright lying, but she's going to get confused. She'll get confused, and she'll assume that the husband died, even though she doesn't know with certainty, because subconsciously she, she wants him to die, and that's really the case. But it's not that that she's outright lying, or that she, or even that she was uh, proven to be a liar. It's not about her proven to be a liar that that we 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 already have proof that she was a liar beforehand. It's about the fact that she, it looks like she's lying. Uh, not sorry that 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 she subconsciously um, is lying because she thinks she's telling the truth, 
but really subconsciously she wants her husband to die and so therefore she'll draw certain conclusions even though they uh, they may not be accurate. Okay, on this topic, just before we even continue on in the Gemara, there's a lot to discuss on this topic. There are different scenarios, different situations. For example, today, we mentioned today, if a, a woman says that they already got divorced, um, we don't believe her. We don't believe that she already got divorced. So if she already said she, if she said she already got divorced, we don't believe her. Let's see, she then comes to court and says that my husband died. So they're still married, and then she says my husband died. So do we believe her or do we not? Has this reached the threshold? Do we do we require proof that she actually lied? We don't have any proof that she lied. The fact that we don't believe her doesn't mean that she actually lied. We don't have witnesses that say she lied. We just don't we we, we don't believe her. Uh, we need more evidence, but that doesn't mean that she's a liar. Um, so if she comes today and says this, so. If we require her to establish that she's been a liar, we can prove that she's a liar, well, we don't have that. If it's not about that, if it's just that it's a certain threshold has, has been reached, so then maybe it's enough of a fight for us to say that we're concerned, and so therefore she shouldn't be believed to say that her husband died. Uh, there are other examples <coughs> that are also discussed. Let's say um, uh, they were married and they were both uh, fully observant when they got married, and then the husband uh, decides to reject all of Judaism. And so they're separated. She, he doesn't give her a divorce document, but uh, she, he refuses to give her a divorce document. But they, but and he rejected all of Judaism. So seemingly that would be a, a that would have reached the threshold. Perhaps I would assume uh, that this is viewed as a katata, as a real fight. Uh, so do we believe her or not? If it's just about the threshold of a, of a very very serious uh, breaking of the marriage, so then we shouldn't believe her to say that her husband died. If, however, we only don't believe her once she's been established as a liar. Well, she has not been established as a liar. She certainly has not been established as a liar. Uh, similarly, uh, what happens if we know, let's say, one of the one of the spouses they they uh, they commit adultery, they marry somebody else? Um, what would happen in those situations? So all of that is discussed uh, at length. The Gemara wants to know, my benai, what's the difference whether or not the root behind it is the fact that she's outright lying, she's intentionally lying? Or it's bididami, or that because she wants this marriage to end, she'll get confused and she'll think that the husband died when the husband didn't actually die. What practically? What's the difference? The Gemara says, kitata." The Gemara says the difference is what happens if she doesn't start the fight, but the husband started the whole fight. The husband is the one who initiated this fight. That somehow we know that uh, it's the husband really who is the one who started this whole fight. She wants to really stay married. So Tosos points out that if that's the case, so then she's not going to lie about the fact that her husband passed away. She wants she she doesn't want to stay in the marriage, but maybe she will draw certain conclusions subconsciously. She will think that her husband died when her husband didn't actually die. That would be a, that would be a difference. The Gemara has a few more lines within this. The Gemara says, "Ibayluhu." They have the following question: What happens if it's not the wife in this case, but it's Eidacha Bekatatamahu? What's the law with regards to one witness? There's this. They have this very serious breaking of the marriage. Let's say she already said that they already got divorced and we proved her wrong. That's the case, right? Forget about her testifying that the husband died. What happens if you have one witness, not her, but some other witness, who testifies that the husband died? <coughs> Do we believe that one witness? Why would you not? My time, my time why do we believe the one witness? In general, we require two witnesses. Why do we believe the one witness? So one reason is to say, you know what, we have to, we should believe him because this is something which is going to come out. You know, whether if the husband's really alive, he's going to appear one day and say, hey, look, I'm here. 
So he he wouldn't lie about that. The witness wouldn't lie about that. He would know that the husband really died. Otherwise, uh, it'll be so so obvious to disprove him. So that's why we believe him. And then in this case also, we should believe him, even if there's a fight in the marriage. Alternatively, you could say that no, the reason why he's believed is because it's not just his testimony alone, but it's in conjunction with the fact that the wife is going to look into the matter seriously and investigate and take time to figure out whether or not it's accurate that her husband really passed away because there's repercussions involved if her husband didn't pass away. You know, very serious repercussions if the husband comes back and she's married to somebody else. So she's going to look into the matter. Well, if they're in fight, so then maybe she's not going to look into the matter so well. Maybe she'll get confused. And so therefore we shouldn't believe the one witness because the one witness is not believed on his own, but it's in conjunction with the fact that she looked into the matter and we're concerned that maybe she didn't look into the matter. So which one is it? Sigmar says, take it, we're not sure. <coughs> really, we have to wait till Eliyahu comes uh, to, to, to answer this question. So in the end of the day, the Rambam, my money, says, uh, because we're not sure, so based on that one witness alone, uh, we're not going to accept the testimony to allow her to get married. If she already got married against our will, uh, she went against us and she got married, they're allowed to stay married, says the Rambam. My money says they could stay married, but they cannot initially uh, get married. And you could have, uh, depending on what we define as, a, as a, the threshold uh, for a fight today, you could, this could be a very practical situation where they're, let's say, they're in a certain fight, um, whatever it is, let's say they've already been living in two separate homes, if that qualifies or not, that was, that was part of the earlier discussion, does that qualify as, as sufficient or not? But if it does, to not believe the uh, certainly the wife, but maybe we also won't believe the witness to say that the husband died. And if there's only one witness, so then that would be that would be uh, very difficult to uh, we, we, we to find to find the second witness might be very difficult. Okay, the Gemara continues a few more lines in the Gemara before we get to the next Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda, the Mishnah said <coughs> that we actually don't believe the wife. We only believe the wife in a very specific situation. Essentially, says the Mishnah. That Rabbi Yehuda says that we believe the wife if she's crying, if we see that she's crying over the death of her husband, and that she has ripped clothing, and she you can tell that she's distraught and in mourning over the fact that her husband passed away. Otherwise, we won't believe her when she comes to court and says, my husband passed away. So we, we, we would never believe her. Forget about it during times of war and when there's a fight in the, in the marriage, a very serious breakdown of the marriage, not just any fight, but a, a breakdown of the marriage. Um, uh, but we'll never, so Rebuda says we'll never believe her uh, unless she plays the part, essentially, and um, looks like that she's, she's in, in mourning over her husband. Tanya, the rabbis say back to Rabbi Yehuda, uh, because they disagree, the majority disagrees, and says, what are you talking about? According to this, so then if you're smart, if you're intelligent, if you could, if you could act and, and fake out the, the court, so then you'll be believed. If you're a fool, you won't be believed. So we should leave it up to people to, to figure out, to know how to fool the court. So no, rather everybody's believed. We do believe everybody. It's, uh, they don't just have to come to court and, and act and, and cry. So we really, we do believe everybody. In fact, there was a story. This is very interesting. There was a woman who came in front of the court of Rabbi Huda. This is specifically the court of Rabbi Huda. Amri la safti ba'alech kari manech shikra. So basically, they coached her. The majority who doesn't believe that you have to um, that you have to act uh, like you're in mourning, they basically coached her, and they said that they told her because you're going, you live in the city of Rabbi Huda, you have to 
the Rabbi Huda is only going to believe you if you're acting in mourning. So go rip your clothes, show that you're in mourning, so that you're believed. Because we believe you anyways. We, the majority, we believe you anyways. So go ahead. Rabbi Huda won't believe you unless you do this. So we're coaching you to go ahead and do this. So, Inu Amri Tavid Hachiki We follow the majority, but we're telling you to do this so that Rabbi Huda will allow you to get married, which is a very fascinating idea, and it's a it's a more broader idea of what happens if I or one rabbi thinks that it's completely permissible. You're in the town of a different rabbi. Uh, are you, or or you're in the court? I think that you're that you're right. I can help you out so that you win. Uh, am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to, to, to help you out? Am I allowed to, uh, whatever the case is, if uh, I think uh, there's other examples like this of, let's say I think my sukkah is kosher, it's a, it's a halakhically valid sukkah, somebody else might not, or even you might not, but I can keep quiet, stay, sit in my sukkah, even if you think it might not be, because I, I know that it is kosher, so it's fine if I invite you without telling you that according to your opinion it's not. Am I allowed to do such a thing or am I not, not allowed to do such a thing? So apparently... From our Gemara, it seems like you would be able to do that. They were able to coach her, <coughs> to convince Rabbi Yehuda, basically to, to, to fake it, uh, to convince Rabbi Yehuda because they believed her regardless. Um, so it's a very interesting issue about um, how much do you, if you really think one way and you think that something is uh, halakhically valid, so how much are you allowed to trick or not tell the other person who would, according to their opinion, think uh, that it's not allowed. So that that's, uh, itself is a, a broader issue and an important discussion. Okay, that concludes the Gemara until the Mishnah. We will begin the next Mishnah in the next recording.